This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Creator. He is God. He is to be worshipped. All of creation testify of His glory. I don't know about you, but I love early in the morning, before I even hear a car or anything, I like to open up the window and just hear the birds sing. They're worshipping God. They glorify God. God calls all, including the angels, to worship His Son, Jesus Christ. The inferior always worship the superior, so Jesus is better. When was the last time that you listened to the birds singing God's glory? Or watched a tree wave its branches and worship to the one that created it? When you stop and look and listen, it's easy to see the whole earth praising God, and even beyond this earth out into space. Next time you see the stars, remember that you too were created to shine for the glory of God. In today's message, Pastor Eddie is going to show you why the whole earth worships Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Romans chapter 10 as he continues his message, The Sun is Better Than the Angels. chapter 10 verse 13 is that for whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved saved and if he's your savior you call in the name of the Lord you would bow before him call him Lord savior my Lord my master or you will be judged Romans chapter 14 verse 11 is for it is written as I live says the Lord every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God That's everyone. That includes you, me, those before you, those after you. Everyone will confess. And so there isn't an angel in heaven that has a name, and even close to the name. The name of Jesus Christ is a name that's above every name. His name is a more excellent name. Next, the the writer of Hebrews is going to ask a couple of rhetorical questions in verse 5. A couple of rhetorical questions in verse 5. In verse 5, he says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son? Today I have begotten you. He's quoting from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. He is quoting from Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. And so it's a rhetorical question, and he throws in Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. So what is the answer? It's a simple, short answer. It's none. There's not an angel in heaven that God has called his son and he's begotten. Not one. The second rhetorical question, he says, again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And he's quoting from another passage, not in the Psalms. It could be either 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 14 or 1 Chronicles chapter 17 verse 13. But we can see the consistency of scripture when it comes to God, father and son relationship is in Chronicles, is in 2 Samuel, is in the Psalms. So this image and this picture of the father and son has been in the scripture since the beginning. 
But when we look at this father-son relationship, there isn't a father-son relationship that God has with an angel. And that's the point he's trying to prove. He's asking these questions. Because obviously there is a father-son relationship in the Godhead. And the angels are not a part of it. What's amazing is that you and I are a part of it. You know, we've been, we've been not only grafted in, but we've become sons and daughters of God. Oh, no. We're added to the family. And that's amazing. Something the angels are wondering, you know, they, they can't put their heads to it. They're intelligent, but they can't understand why Christ or God would create man, woman, boy, girl. So that he could be one with them. So those are the two questions to show that the father-son relationship belongs to that of God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, not to angel. Now in verse 6, it says, But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. Let all the angels of God worship him. Now before we get to how the angels worship Christ, there is a word here, and it's, the, the word firstborn, firstborn. Now, it's important for us to know about this. And I would underline it in my, in, in my Bible uh, because it's very important for us to understand. We must know and understand this term of firstborn because we will be challenged. We will be challenged by many cults. We will be challenged by those who would actually use this verse and other verses like it in the Bible that uses the, the, the term firstborn when it comes to Christ. Because they will say to you, Jehovah Witnesses or even Mormons, they will say to you, well, since Jesus was the firstborn, the firstborn, that means he was born. He was begotten. And if Jesus was born begotten, then that means he's not eternal. And that means he is not God. Is Jesus born? Such a teaching conflicts with the rest of the scriptures. So we must understand, we must give a defense, give an apologia to those who, who ask or ask questions about who Jesus is and whether Jesus was created or was he born physically only? Who is he? They're going to attack this Jesus that we believe in according to the scriptures. Now, just so you can understand with this term firstborn, in both the Greek and the Jewish culture, the term firstborn doesn't always mean born first. It doesn't always mean born first. Okay? It is a word that's used in the Greek. In the Greek, there's the Greek word prototakos, and it means first child or first in rank. That's what the Greek word means. It's not speaking here in the text. And when it comes to Christ, it is not speaking of being firstborn chronologically. And that's the, as you know, English, you know, earthly speaking, but it's speaking of priority. It's speaking of priority, spiritually speaking. And the Bible, we could prove that with the scriptures. And you may want to jot down some of these Bible verses and passages in case you come across a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon or any other cult that believes Jesus was just born. He was just a man. If you remember in in Genesis chapter 41, Joseph had two sons. His first son was Manasseh. His second son was 
Ephraim. And just before Jacob was to pass and be with the Lord, he wanted to bless the sons of Joseph. And so Joseph brought his two sons, his firstborn, Manasseh, and then his secondborn, Ephraim. And what he did was he placed the eldest, which is what they would normally do. They would take the eldest and place it on the right hand, meaning the blessing would come from the right hand to the oldest. And then the second, he would use the left hand. But when Joseph brought Manasseh and Ephraim before Jacob, Jacob was at this time, at this time he was blind. He was about to go with the Lord. He crossed his hands. He crossed his hand. He put his right hand on the secondborn Ephraim and his left hand on the firstborn Manasseh. And Joseph thinking, oh, my father, he's getting old. He can't see. He's blind, whatever. He said, no, no, father. He's trying to correct his father. But this is what Jacob said in Genesis chapter 41, verse 19. He says, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he knew what he was doing. It's not chronologically, but priority. And as a matter of fact, God confirmed this in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 9. And this is one of the verses that I used when I was sharing the gospel to a Jehovah Witness. I share this because they were using this firstborn. And this is what the Lord said in Jeremiah 31, verse 9. He says, for I am a father to Israel and Ephraim is my firstborn. Wasn't it Manasseh physically? earthly speaking he was the first no but according to God it is Ephraim the same thing happened with Jacob and Esau Esau was the first one born what happened with Esau he sold his birthright for a bowl of chili (laughs) and what happened Jacob the Lord even told Rebecca when they were in the womb the Lord says you have twins you have two nations the older shall serve the younger And so quite often we put a lot of emphasis. I like to use these passages of scripture to my older brother just to to put the perspective. And I have two older brothers. And I just want to let you know what the Bible has to say about this. (laughs) Anyway, but we see that the firstborn is used quite often with Christ. Christ is the firstborn of creation. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 to 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. This is what they'll use. The Jehovah Witnesses and all these other cults will use this passage. In verse 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities of power, all things were created through him and for him. Christ created all things. And so the question is, so if Christ is the creator of all things, how can Christ be both the creator and the created? He can't be both the creator and the created. He was never created. He was the creator. And so he's the firstborn of the dead. You remember in Colossians chapter 1 verse 18, Paul writes this. For he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That all things he uh, may have the preeminence, the first of the dead. Now, you remember when Lazarus died, Jesus called out Lazarus. He rose from the dead. So he actually died before Jesus did, before Jesus went to the cross. And he rose from the grave. What's the difference between his death and the death death and resurrection of Christ? Well, his death doesn't matter. 
He's a man. Sad thing is, he was created. He was born. He died. Sadly, he's going to die again. <laughs> you know? But Jesus is his death. His, his resurrection that matters. Because he is the son of God. And that's the reason why we celebrate his death, burial, resurrection. When it comes to Resurrection Sunday, Palm Sunday. We rejoice in the day that he's come. Because he died on the cross. He is the son of God. And he rose from the grave. And so Christ is the firstborn, speaking of priority, uh, not chronologically. Now back to Hebrews in verse 6, we're going to continue at the end of verse 6 all the way to verse 13. The writer is going to give us seven reasons, seven reasons why Jesus is better than the angel. Seven reasons. Let's read verse 6 again. He said, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, number one, here's number one. He says, let all the angels of God worship him. Jesus is better than the angels because the angels worship Jesus. When Jesus was born into the world, the angels worshiped him. Even in Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, it says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands, meaning innumerable, saying with a loud voice, Altogether worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. They worship God. They worship God. If God called the angels to be worshipped, someone who is not divine, then what is called idolatry. God would not allow it. God would not allow it. He is the creator. He is God. He is to be worshipped. All of creation testify of his glory. I don't know about you, but I love early in the morning, before I even hear a car or anything, I like to open up the window, just hear the birds sing. They're worshiping God. They glorify God. God calls all, including the angels, to worship his son, Jesus Christ. The inferior always worship the superior. So Jesus is better. Number two, number two, Jesus is better than the angels because he is served and ministered by angels. Served and ministered by angels. And of the angel, he says, verse 7, and of the angel, he said, verse 7, who makes his angel spirit and his minister a flame of fire. So the writer of Hebrew, what he's doing here, he is quoting from Psalms 104, verse 4. Psalms 104, verse 4. The angels not only worship Christ, but they also now serve Christ. They've been serving Christ since they were created, before we were created. You remember, even when Christ was here doing his earthly ministry, in Matthew chapter 4, after Jesus was tempted by the devil when he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. They ministered to him. Not to say, hey, you know, uh, you remember you're Jesus, or remember you're the son of God. No, It was most likely a physical type of ministering and serving. Uh, Jesus doesn't need angels to tell him who he is. (laughs) We need to, we the ones that need to know who he is. 
You remember when Jesus was in the, in the Mount of Olive in the Garden of Gethsemane there uh, after when he was praying just before he was to be arrested and put on the cross. In Luke chapter 22, verses 42 to 43, Jesus says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will, yours be done. And then in verse 43, it says, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. They ministered to Christ. His name is above the angels. His, the angels worship him. They minister to him. And number three, Jesus is better than the angels because he is God. He is God. Look at verse eight. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Not only does God the Father call Jesus Christ his son, God the Father also calls Jesus Christ God. God. And this is another passage is good to read to those who think of Jesus any less than God. Or a God. You know, the, the New World translation of the Jehovah Witnesses, they took out in, the, in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, lower G. Lower G, not a capital G, a lower G. He's another God, which contradicts scripture anyway, because God doesn't share his glory with any other God, the Bible says. But here we can see that, you know, he's quoting from scripture that your throne, O God, is forever and ever. God is calling his son God. You are God forever. Jesus is God. Who says he's God? God the Father. God the Father says that Jesus Christ is God the Son. You remember in John chapter 8 when the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus. Well, they wanted to kill Jesus from the very beginning. But what made it more worse is the fact that not only was he healing on the Sabbath. Somebody forgot to tell him it was the Sabbath, by the way. But he kept healing anyway. (laughs) But it's what Jesus said. He said, my father. To the Jews, if you say my father, that's saying that you're equal with the father. But when we say the father, it's different. They took offense because they didn't understand who Jesus was when he said my father. In John chapter 5 verse 18 it says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father. Making himself equal with God. They wanted to kill him. But Jesus clearly said, hey, you know, that's to come. Some people would say, you know, there's some, even Jews would say, well, Jesus never claimed to be, never claimed to be the God. Yes, he did. This is one of those passages by saying that God is his father. We can say that. We can say it's all because of who? Jesus Christ. We're, we're now added being born again, saved. We're now part of the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ and in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And he says, he goes on to say, God was manifested in the flesh. He became, the word became flesh. Justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Titus chapter 2, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's all over scripture. You remember Doubting Thomas. After Jesus rose from the grave, the disciples said, you know, Jesus was here. He's alive. And he said, I would not believe until I handle him, until I touch him. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appears to him. 
And what does he say to Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 28? It says, and Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus didn't deny it. He didn't say, wait, 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 don't say that. No, he knew who he was. He knew the messianic prophecies. Jesus is God. In Romans chapter 9, verse 5, it says, Of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternal blessed God. Amen. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. And I'll leave you with one more. We know this passage when it comes to Christmas time. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is God. He is one with God. He is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is God. And here he also mentioned the scepter, which is a rod, a staff. It speaks of his authority. Jesus is God and he has authority. Also speaks about his kingdom, which if he has a kingdom, that means he's a king. You can't, you know, a king has a kingdom. So Jesus is king, a king, Lord of Lord. So Jesus is better because he's God. Number four, Jesus is better than the angel because he is anointed. He is anointed. Look at verse nine. So you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you. Therefore, God, your God, read that to those who don't believe Jesus Christ is God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your champions. He is quoting Isaiah 61 verse 1. And so God the Father calls his son Jesus Christ God. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you. You remember when Jesus was in the synagogue and in the synagogue he read the prophecy concerning him preaching gospel to the poor. He said, the the spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? That passage. Now what's interesting about that time when Jesus went to the synagogue, they would have the scrolls put in some large bin and all the scrolls would be there of all the books. And they would randomly take a scroll and give it to whoever's going to read the passage for the day. And it so happens to be that verse that Jesus pulled out that verse. And he says, right before your eyes, this prophecy is being fulfilled. He has been, because he has been anointed. Jesus is better than the angels, number five, because he is the creator. Let's look at verse 10. And it says, and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. So we have the Father declares Jesus Christ as the creator. Something that angels cannot do and has not done. He created all things. He's mentioning Christ as the Son. He's mentioning Christ as now the creator. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the New. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. 
But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. Another way to come to God is in prayer. Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.